Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, a bunch of news. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And if you've got tips or stories you want us to cover, you can always email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. But new year, new stories, new Marvel. It's new all happening. Woo. The news is always new. <laughs> the news is always new. If you haven't checked it out, we recently recapped all of Echo and all of What If. That's what's happened over the, the holidays, if you will. But... Holidays are over. It's back to business for Marvel. Lots of stuff going down in the world. Let's kick it off with Daredevil Born Again has restarted production with some big changes. Some big changes have happened behind the scenes. Hollywood Reporter broke them down, though. We knew, I think, a bunch of this stuff already. A little bit of a recap before we get to the changes. Previously, 18 episodes of Daredevil Born Again, then the writer strike. Lots. And the lot, lots of apps. Many, many apps. Then the writer strike and the actor strike happened. Gave them a little bit of pause there. Reportedly, they looked at the footage and were like, "Well," and it took a big change. And that's a Hollywood. That's a classic Hollywood reaction. Yeah, like, classic Hollywood. Yeah, you read any variety <laughs> headline, they're like, "Uh oh," says Hollywood execs. Um, you know, this is actually something that doesn't usually happen. Honestly, like it happens. I would say a lot more with like. Uh, with the broadcast show, honestly, where you get 22 episodes and at a certain point halfway through the season, they're like, this isn't working. Let's pivot. But with streaming, we right. haven't seen this sort of thing in a really long time because usually they finish it, put it out there. Everybody hates it. And then either they cancel it or have to change things utterly for the second season. But here, probably a good thing that they were able to pause, take a look back, make some changes here. Um, so just to real quick talk about the things that came out of the Hollywood Reporter article so we can use them as framing. So Philip Silvera, who's the stunt fight coordinator on Netflix Daredevil, is back as the stunt coordinator and second unit director now. They're actually shooting again, I believe, as of this past week, if I remember correctly. Writer Dario Scardapane, who worked on Netflix's Marvel show The Punisher, and the direct team of Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, uh, who directed some of Loki and I believe Moon Knight as well, were brought in to change the direction of the series. Previously, they said they were taking it back to zero. We don't know exactly how true that is. They may be using some of the footage. Also, John Bernthal is back as the Punisher. The big he's rumor. always he he never stopped being the Punisher. You know, oh he's God. just waiting. He's just sitting in his apartment punishing punishing a bacon, egg, and cheese is probably what he's doing. Have you uh, heard about or listened to his podcast at all? Real what ones? What is it? Real ones, right? We've talked about it on here, which is the most, yeah. the most intense podcast art of all time. Yeah, and the most intense everything of all time. Like He, he looks hard. He podcasts mm-hmm. hard. 
Uh, and then the big one that people are freaking out about, this is still rumored, this is not confirmed, but Eldon Henson and Deborah Ann Wall are rumored to be back as Foggy and Karen, respectively. But the big one, I think, the biggest part of this news is that the episode count, they don't give a specific number, but a Hollywood reporter says more in line with Netflix. Every previous season of Daredevil was 13 episodes. Here's what I'm going to throw out there, and maybe you have some mm-hmm. alternate takes or additional things. Seems to me like they are essentially reinventing the wheel and went from like, we're going to do the MCU take on Daredevil. This is our whole thing. We know what we're doing. And given all the behind the scenes drama at Marvel Studios, this happened over the past year, how they've been crashing and burning with a lot of stuff. It feels like there's this real nostalgia for the Marvel Netflix era, both from the fans and also just frankly, from a budgetary perspective where they're like, oh, we could just do that again. We could just do Daredevil season four instead of doing something wholly new that may or may not work. Let's just do that. What's your take on it, Justin? Uh, yeah, I feel like they were like, maybe we should try making TV uh, something that we are actually making. But like when you say a nostalgia for Netflix, it's I think a nostalgia for like an organized way of doing things where not everyone doesn't have to be stressed out the entire time, all up and down the production from where the money comes from to the people literally on the on set making the show. Uh, and it like all those changes, like, some of these are changes. Some of these are putting like Benson and Moorhead people they do trust to mm-hmm. like write a ship. Uh, in charge and giving them a little more more power, it seems like. But and and thirteen episodes feels like I remember back in Netflix time felt like these there's a couple stretch episodes here. Yeah. So like even that felt like too many. Then we'll see. I know we we were talking that maybe the storyline is still going to be Mayor Fisk or mm, or something like that. So the end credit scene from Echo. Yeah. So that feels like something. But the other thing I was going to say is. It is, you know, TV shows do pivot at points or like we, we have to fix this. It's just rare when it's so publicly known mm-hmm. that like we were halfway through. We're scrapping all of it. We're starting over. And that's uh, in some ways unfortunate, but at least it does allow them to fully make these changes without fear of like a leak getting out since everything it's all leaks. This, yeah. this ship is all leaks. The ship is all leaks. I do want to mention this is not necessarily news exactly. Maybe it's almost anti-news. But we recently had Charles Soule on our live comic book show, and we talked to him a li- about it a little bit because he, back in the day, wrote the Mayor Fisk storyline that presumably they're going to pivot off Echo and move forward and use in some fashion for the Netflix show or maybe not if they've scrapped it. But the other thing was there's a villain called Muse that was part of his run on Daredevil. It was a pretty terrifying villain. And the yeah. rumor was that he was going to be a Daredevil. According to Charles Soule, the way that he told us on the show, he said he is n- not involved in the production, but 99% sure that Muse was in the previous version of Daredevil. He doesn't know if Muse is in this new version. Um, some rumors have come out from rumor mongers that, yes, Muse is still involved in some way. So it should be interesting to see how this all mixes together. Like you said, 13 one-hour episodes on Netflix's Marvel still felt very padded out at points. This is the longest run that they will have for any of the Marvel Studios shows. So I really do hope... That taking it from 18, packing it down to 13 feels tighter, more concrete. You know, aim for 13 45-minute episodes instead of hour-plus episodes. 
We'll yeah, see. have them be what they want to be. That's what all the cool shows are doing. And I don't know. I'm trying to think what's a good way to describe Muse in relation to Daredevil. If you haven't read the comic, it's almost like a, a Joker type character mm-hmm. for Daredevil. So that also that type of character, a chaos agent character does lend for like a lot of surprising twists and turns. So maybe that's easier than like a very meticulous crime uh, situation like like a, a normal kingpin story would be. Yeah, that all said, and we talked about this a little bit on the Echo podcast, and then we can move on and talk a little bit more about Echo. But if they do the Mayor Fisk storyline where Wilson is running, I, I call him Wilson. We're Wilson, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's like almost like a neighbor named Wilson. Totally. In some ways. If you have him running for mayor of New York, winning, which is what happened in the comic books, and then ultimately getting taken down per the Devil's Reign storyline, which was not written by Charles Saul, it was written by Chip Zdarsky. That's a pretty good three-act structure for a TV show. I can see that happening, and I kind of hope they go for that. That also gives them room to throw in characters like Muse, like the Punisher, maybe have a real arc for Foggy and Karen, if that's what they want to do in there as well. What I'm most curious about is what they do with daredevil like how do you center daredevil there what is the emotional arc for him over the course of the season because so much was done in the first three seasons of the tv show where does he go next where do they take him yeah maybe to a funny place i don't know uh, yeah let's get some fun in there i I mean i do think it has to be different like what are the essential things you want to keep hallway fights Mm-hmm. And maybe, I don't know, what else is the real takeaway and, and Charlie Cox in the role? So it's like maybe that's all you need to keep and you make some changes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Let's move on to the diciest news item that I included in this rundown. Echo, according to Marvel and Disney, debuted at number one on Disney Plus and Hulu. Whatever that means. Um, this sort of thing drives me insane when they say this. Sort of like, it was number one compared to what? Like, what is your scale here? There are yeah. no numbers provided. So good for them, I guess, but doesn't mean anything. I mean, number one on their service, I think probably all new things with any sort of like interest are number one for some amount of time in some way that you can claim that. I also think the the difference of them debuting it on Disney Plus and Hulu. Mm-hmm probably did make it genuinely a bigger deal than it was going to be before. Because how many Marvel things have gone directly to Hulu besides the old Hulu Marvel shows that we don't really talk about much anymore? Yeah, they've been doing some, I don't know, what you would call it, co-airing type things before with other shows. But the big deal here in terms of numbers is compare that to Percy Jackson and the Olympians, which is coming out on Disney Plus at the same time. And also, I think, debuted an episode on Hulu, if I remember correctly. But they sent out press releases with the number of viewers that watched that show. They did not do that for Echo. So yeah. five episodes debuting all at the same time. If they're measuring it on hours watched or whatever, minutes watched, of course, it's going to be at number one. The better thing that... I think side kind of points back to this daredevil direction we're talking about is this was also in the THR article, but they said there was a little bit of a halo effect where Hawkeye Punisher and daredevil all had a little bit of a bump on the services as well in terms of people watching them. Again, we don't know the numbers or anything like that, but 
That's what a streaming service wants, is they want people to watch something and then watch something else and keep watching those things. And this is totally anecdotally, but I certainly saw a lot of people in my feeds being like, oh, man, really liked Echo. Got to go back and watch all of Daredevil now. So Yeah, and it makes sense. Like, you get that flavor. And it for all the criticisms we have of that show, like, it did feel like the – marvel netflix shows and mm-hmm. so it it wet your appetite to go back and watch daredevil who has also happened to be in the show so it's like then i let's be honest those i don't remember what happened in those shows and i watched the <laughs> shit out of them wait i want to ask you a bigger question though that i was thinking about a little bit this morning in terms of the arc of the mcu this is something we've talked about incessantly on the podcast but like and people have talked about it incessantly online, but where do you think Echo lies in terms of writing that Marvel ship? Writing the ship? Yeah, uh, or not. This, uh, this feels like the last lifeboat coming off the ship that's gone down. They're like, mm. you know what? Let's let's let this boat go. Let's let this boat try to get away or whatever. And they're like, oh, there's a couple leaks in this boat too. Hurry. Paddle as fast as you can. I... I would disagree with that a little bit, and this is just Mm. not based on my reaction, but other people's reaction online. I think people were real, or fans, mind you, were really positive about Echo. There were some surprisingly good reviews from critics as well. I may disagree with all of that, but I do think people looked at it, like you're saying, as another Marvel Netflix show, and that seems to be what they're leading into going forward versus something we're going to talk about later on, like $225 million for a comedy show. They're going to cut down exponentially on those budgets. They're going to budgets. They're going to do leaner, meaner shows, more street level shows. Um, because that's how you do TV, you know, and that's how you make it work. You don't blow the budget every time. So given the surprisingly positive reaction to echo, I think it has given them a path forward, whether that's the only path we'll take, they'll take, we'll see. Um, but I don't know. I, I could see them going back 10 years and just doing what Marvel TV did again. And that's what we get for the next couple of years. It's just so crazy to me because their whole thing was like, we're doing it our way. Marvel Netflix, sure, that was a thing. But now it's different. Now we're doing it like MCU style. And now they're like, we're going to do that Netflix thing. The Netflix <laughs> su- successful yeah. We're going to do that one. Yeah. Now. The whole MCU, I mean, if you look at it as like almost a bell curve of them being like, forget what Fox was doing. Forget what Marvel Netflix is doing. We're doing the MCU. And then 10 years later, they're like, great news. Marvel Netflix is back. We're bringing back the X-Men and all the characters you love there. Yeah. Here we go. It's great. It's a good, it's a healthy thing for us to think. And I'm sure our opinions are going to just be consistent throughout. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Here's another one. This is to turn it over to a couple of dour notes, I think, for Mm. the MCU and the world. Stephen Young, who was never officially confirmed for Thunderbolts, has left Thunderbolts. Uh, It's kind of funny that they're like, nope, never announced the casting, but we are announcing his exit. So there you go. Yeah, that's fun. I mean, he I, it happened right before the Emmys, I believe, mm-hmm. and he won the Emmy. So it's like then beef crushed. So I feel like he's like, you know what? This feels like something I would rather not do. Mm-hmm. That's the official story is scheduling because they've had to push Thunderbolts back so far. I think at this point it was supposed to have completed filming. It hasn't even started it at this point and is ostensibly scheduled for 2025, but I don't think it's going to make that date. 
at this point, I wonder if this movie is ever going to happen. What do you think, Justin? I mean, they have the cast is is everyone likes the cast, I feel mm-hmm. like, uh, for all of these characters. You know, it it does feel like this is part of a larger Marvel, the larger MCU plan that is in flux right now. So they could transition. But of all of the movies and the plans in place, this feels the most the furthest down the pipe. Uh, when it comes to they've set it all up and also can be fun. They could make it a little bit differently and try to do some of it, putting some of these new ways of making movies in practice here and have it be a, a fun movie. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah well, I think it's going to come. We'll see. I'm a little iffier than you just, again, based on like production schedules, continually pushing it back. You got David Harbour as Red Guardian in it. He's shooting Stranger Things 5 right now, which 100% is going to be the priority. So they could do it by the end of the year, but you got a lot of very busy people. And to the Stephen Young point, we talked about this before, but not even the rumor. I think this is Robert Kirkman accidentally or purposefully confirmed that he was playing the Sentry in the movie. Um, so they got to get yeah. somebody else there. They got to get somebody else of Stephen Young's caliber and talent. You've got other busy people like Florence Pugh is all over the place and doing a ton of stuff. So we'll see. I could see this getting pushed back a year and then very quietly dropping off the schedule. Or to your point, they're somehow pushing forward with it and it happening. So we'll see. They're going to need to announce a lot of other things to then let this quietly exit if if they want to do that. Yeah. We'll see. Another one that is unlikely to happen, She-Hulk Season 2. This was during some sort of live Twitch gaming stream thing where Tatiana Maslany was on, and she was asked about She-Hulk Season 2, and she said, this is a quote from Gizmodo, where they transcribed it from the stream. I don't think so. I think we blew our budget, and Disney was like, no thanks. So she's being a glib and funny there. I don't think this is necessarily official, official news, but also reportedly, as mentioned earlier, the budget for She-Hulk was $225 million. So I can see that being true. I mean, if that's true, that's so much for something that just didn't really hit. You know, it's crazy. And I, I don't want to put our opinions in on it, but just like something that people like even fans were like, oh, yeah, this is good. I like these two episodes. And to spend two hundred and twenty five million dollars on that is just a galactic uh, like, uh oh, I believe the quote was, uh oh. Yeah, it was a galactic. Uh-oh. Uh, that was in galactic variety, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't think we're going to see second seasons of a lot of these shows, to be frank, to the point we yeah. were talking about earlier. I think. They got to figure out what they can do on a budget that's going to minimize their risk on the stuff, not not to get all corporate about it. But Disney's in a very bad place right now for the first yeah. time in decades, I think, you know, when they've yeah. been dominating all of media always forever. So they're going to be looking at it as like, OK, great. You did She-Hulk for two hundred twenty five million dollars. Can you do it for $25 million. And if they're like, no, they'll be like, okay, no, you can't do that. And I think that's the same thing with, we've heard that Moon Knight season two has been talked about. Certainly, I'm sure they had plans for Miss Marvel season two. I don't think we're going to see any of those things unless they can do them scrappy and street level, like Echo, like Daredevil Born Again, all of that stuff. 
Well, it's like to use some some Marvel language, they had to prune the timeline here a bit. And none of this is all of these were broken. So now they need to let the timeline go for a minute and see what is working and then go from there. And also just from a deal making perspective, if someone all the money all these people were making when it was huge budgets, they're not going to their agents and reps aren't going to let them come back for less. It just doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. So it's going to have to be like hard cutoffs and then resets to then see what the move is. I mean, that was a large part of the initial MCU, right? In terms of getting people way too cheap with the promise that they'd get several movies, TV show appearances, have careers for a while. Um, I don't, I don't think it was good business practice. It was not nice. They were certainly cheating people out of a lot of money, but it led to a place where eventually Robert Downey Jr. was the one getting, I don't know, it was like $35 million to star in three movies or something like that. Plus he was getting back end money off of the, all of those movies. And I think, you know, we, we always, it was always nice when it was like, all these big stars want to do Marvel movies as if they love the superhero universe. It was like, (laughs) no, this is like the best job to get in Hollywood for, you know, 10 years Mm -hmm. where you, you come in, even if you're coming in for small money, you have like these incentives in your deal. It's just like being an NFL player or something Mm -hmm. where it unlocks and you do the third movie and you're making just suddenly a fortune. So like, that's why it was such a thing. And they just can't do business that way. If these movies aren't succeeding on the scale they used to be. Well, they also pivoted from people who were mostly on the cusp or needed to do a Marvel movie to really bump them to the next level to movie stars. Like that's what they did about 10 years in is they started getting people, I, I love Tatiana Maslany. I don't think she's there, but I'd throw like Oscar Isaac, bringing him in for Moon Knight. That was, he's already a star. He's already a movie yeah. star. And then you're putting him in Moon Knight versus back in the day, it would be somebody like, I don't know, Jacob Alordi, who was on the cusp of bigger things and just like, great. Now he's a Marvel superhero. I think they're probably going to have to go back to that. You have to get people that are not big yet if they want to keep this going. And a lot of that comes down to casting and identifying talent and figuring out how to talk to talent and work with talent. And it almost feels like that's something they need to relearn at this point, honestly. It's harder. It's harder to do that, to develop talent as opposed to just be like, let's throw some money at that one, that Mm -hmm. person that we all know. So it's like, yeah, you got to go back to like, trying a little harder in a, in a way that is more creative driven. I, uh, I mean, just one thing that I'll throw out there and then we can move on to our next news item is I think that's playing a lot into the fantastic forecasting process is what it feels mm-hmm. like where they're going for people. Like I guess Pedro Pascal is rumored slash reportedly Mr. Fantastic, but I guess we'll see based on his schedule with everything else. That he has guy's going busy. He, he, he loves busy. it. He does. He loves that. And he loves breaking his arm as well. Yeah. So, but he doesn't have to be on set for Mandalorian and Grogu very much. So I think he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, he'll be all right. Also, Last of Us season two, not going to need to be in that too much. Spoilers. Um, so anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Last thing we're going to talk about. This is not exactly MCU, but why not throw it out there? Madam Web takes place mm. in a quote standalone world. According to the director, hmm. uh, specifically, the uh, quote is she's definitely in a standalone world. I was able to just have free reign and let the movie be what it needed to be, as opposed to trying to force it into something else. That was a gift in a way to be able to take something and bring a fresh and I hope original take to it. That's from a EW feature. 
that also talked to Dakota Johnson. The other thing that they mentioned is that the movie is set in 2003. Everybody's favorite year. I love, love that year. Oh, my God. Great. Really fresh. Yeah. A period uh, piece. It's a period piece. Yeah, exactly. That's what it feels like to um, grow up, I guess, is where you're like, oh, this was set when I was al- already this age, it feels like. <laughs> but this uh, – I, th- I think this is good news. I actually think this helps some of the things I've been talking about with this movie where, like, it does feel like they can be a little bit weirder with it and make it something different. We don't have to follow all the – like, okay, well, we're setting up these two Spider-Woman movies and this Madam Web spinoff or whatever – feels like this may be just like a fun standalone mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, I will believe it when I see it is the only thing, because uh, like I've said on previous podcasts, I don't trust Sony to be like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Do whatever you're but they, doing. They make your TV, good- <laughs> maybe. <laughs> they do make my TV. And my Walkman. Yeah, you love that Walkman. Speaking you of 2003 and period pieces, um, yeah, I, I like this too. Like, if this actually is something where they're like, let's just put it on the table and do a wild Madam Web movie, great. Just have fun doing that. Don't worry about sequels. But again, I don't, I don't trust a movie where they're dealing with the web of life and introducing three Spider Womans, including Madam Web and an evil Spider Man, to be like, yeah, yeah, it's just its own thing. Don't worry about it. Let me say this. I bet we get the post credit scene will set up one of them. Say like mm-hmm. Sydney Sweeney is set up as they're going to have another movie mm-hmm. or they're teasing another movie with her. Great. The That's current enough. rumor actually that it came out, I think today as we're taping is there's no post credit scenes, which also sounds wild. But That's why would they do that? That's I not. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Going to make everybody sit for another minute or two and have an awkward conversation with the person next to them? Yuck. Nobody wants that. Yeah. Uh, well, they do want to support our podcast, though, at patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about the whole Marvel Universe. Apple, Spotify, Android, or the app of your choice, but not Google Podcasts. That is going away at the end of March. So if you're subscribed on Google Podcasts, please subscribe somewhere else, or you can very easily transfer over to YouTube Music for some reason. I didn't sign mm. up. I don't know why they're doing that. Anyway, <laughs> at Comic Book Live on Twitter slash X, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram and TikTok, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. Now that the mics are off, I can say it's crazy that our podcast budget of $225 million is the same as She-Hulk. I wish we hadn't CGI'd you. 